And so one of Hort's most famous quotes is, uh, one measures a circle beginning anywhere. And I've always taken that to mean that by studying any aspect of the paranormal, we can understand something about all of it. And that colors our perspective when it comes to investigation. So we don't specialize in any one area. We will investigate anything from ghosts to UFOs to cryptids to even weirder stuff. And we look for the commonalities and there are many. of Into the Obscure. We are so excited to be here. Tressa, Kara, mm. and myself, Jenny, have finally reunited. And we are so gosh darn excited about it. Oh, oh you can tell. It really does. Uh-huh. It does. It does. We're super excited about our guests. So I think we're going to pop in there pretty quickly here. We have some cool stuff that we are doing this weekend. Would anyone care to talk about it? I will. So we are going to first, Jenny and I are going to take a little excursion to Bachelors Grove with some people that have not necessarily been before. So I say I grew up going, I didn't grow up going to Bachelors Grove. I, as a teenager, because, you know, who didn't, I guess, if you grew up around here. So nowadays I just go during the day, not at night anymore. And we're going to bring some people that haven't been. I think I will probably, you know, we'll live stream on something once we get there, you know, to let you know who it is. Surprise guests. And then I'm pretty excited. We meet up with Tressa a little later in the day. There is an event at Outa Space in Berwyn. So it's a gallery music event. The Strange Unusual Gallery in Joliet's kind of invading. It's called the Space Invader at Out of Space. One of my dearest friends, Rob Johnson, is one of the exhibitors or featured artists and April Love. And so we're going to go to the event. I'm super excited. So it'll be a good time in Berwyn. So it'll be all three of us together. So we'll take tons of pictures and maybe even live stream from there. We'll see. Oh, we should. We should do that. We should. Agreed. We all right. Agreed. And with that, let's welcome our guests. Emily and Tobias Whalen from the Fortean. Wait, what is it? Singular <laughs> Society. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I got one that's, thing on my head. It's, it's all been right. a long day. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. And and I didn't help by by discussing all the other Forteans <laughs> yeah, beforehand. That's I did on not you. help. That's on me. That's, that's on, on me. You. Yes. Hi guys, it's Emily and Tobias. Oh. Hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to our inaugural guest. This is so exciting. It's quite an honor. Yeah, this is, this oh, is cool. We're very, very thrilled. And we're all we're all going to the dunes now, yeah. the area of the dunes. Oh, That's yeah, where we're going. Oh, neat. Okay. Why did we choose this background, Tressa? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, because every week we're going to choose a new photo from someone who posts photos in Hella Obscura, the Facebook page. And we're going to keep that as the background for that week's episode because it's super fun to see and creepy stuff always gets posted and we want to see it and promote it. 
this week we got Jenny's because we didn't ask permission yet. So thank you, Jenny. <laughs> You're welcome. This was a delightful trip to the Indiana National Park, the Dunes. And yep. I was out there at night looking for anything unusual. I did not see anything, but the whole place is really cool. And at night, there is a very creepy sort of vibe going on, as with most national parks. But for sure, that's actually it's it's funny that you mentioned that because that's on our list of places to go because it's not far. I think it's, it's like hours for us. Yeah, I mean, well, it might be more like four or five, but it's it's not that far. And we mm. just got back from Mammoth Cave. Oh, ah. and that was super I love fun. a cave. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It is. It is. It is a, a, a absolute miracle of, mm. uh, I don't know, whatever makes caves. Anyway. <laughs> water. <laughs> right. Really flow water. But yeah, no, it, it, it really was beautiful. And of course, there's all the weird stuff that's yeah. associated with Mammoth Cave. And again, we didn't see anything weird either, but it was mm. still- so. Those places, though, man, they just kind of give you a vibe. I would highly recommend the dunes. Most of the areas do close by 9 or 11, like at least the places by water. Everything else is going to be open mm-hmm. late because national parks, a lot of them don't close at all. Right. So, but at the dunes, which makes 100% sense because there is a lot of city around the area, they do tend to close the waterways so that people don't act like idiots and drown is my assumption right i mean that makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> isn't it right outside of gary yes yeah, yeah. like so yeah music man <laughs> music man i know you guys were all thinking it okay so i would like to say that i'm familiar with your guys's work because i was sent an article from the singular 14 after i had a sighting and this person who sent me the article did not know I had this sighting. And it was like an hour after this exact sighting that they sent me the article no. for. Yeah. And it has, since that day, the site has been bookmarked on every single browser I own because, uh, God damn it, what is going on? And you have such a great website. A lot of it's pretty local to me anyway. Not all of it, but... I love all the Mothman stuff. So why don't you guys tell us and the listeners exactly what your site's about? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the Singular 40 in Society is a investigative and, and journalistic o- organization that uh, Emily and I started back in 2016. And so... Let me start from the the beginning because <laughs> the, well. Well, the, the first question that we always get, you know, of, of course, is is what does Fordian mean? And so the word Fordian, for anybody who isn't aware, comes from Charles Fort. And so Charles Fort was an early 20th century collector of weird news stories. And he would collect all of these weird news stories from all over the world, and he would compile them in these massive volumes, and then he would sort of write about them and speculate about what might be behind it. You know, and he would often do so in a, a very tongue-in-cheek manner. Uh, he's a very engaging, very entertaining writer. So I encourage anybody who has any sort of interest in anomalous phenomena to, even though it was written, you know, in, in the first half of the, the 20th century, go back and read Charles Fort because he literally is the, the godfather of paranormal investigation, like modern investigation. Like you can't read John Keel or, or Lauren Coleman or Brad Steiger or, or any of these people that are looked at it as sort of cornerstones of investigation today. And it 
truly understand what it is that they are writing about in many instances if you do not understand Charles Fort. And so one of Fort's most famous quotes is, uh, one measures a circle beginning anywhere. And I've always taken that to mean that by studying any aspect of the paranormal, we can understand something about all of it. And that colors our perspective when it comes to investigation. So we don't specialize in any one area. We will investigate anything from ghosts to UFOs to cryptids to even weirder stuff. And we look for the commonalities. And there are many. And fundamentally for us, I'd say that the commonality that we have found to be the most important, certainly the most pronounced, is humanity. You know, the only tool that I would say we have that can arguably observe and record paranormal phenomena is the human mind, right? We tend to take an experiential view of these phenomena and, and sort of concentrate on that because it's most of what we have to work with. I mean, I hope I didn't digress there too much. It <laughs> no. gives no. people a, a pretty decent idea of, of sort of what, what we do. That was amazing. Yes, yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So you said, breath. okay, so you talked about ghosts and cryptids and aliens and even weirder. So what sure. would... <laughs> Well, we, we, we get all kinds of stuff here. One second, I'm going to move this a little bit closer because I, I keep disappearing and I promise that that's not a paranormal thing. That's a, I'm very black and I keep getting too far away from the camera thing. Yeah, we get all kinds of weird reports uh, that don't necessarily fit into a neat category. One that comes to mind just off the top of my head was a woman who wanted to report hearing this haunting melody. She was with her family in, I believe, Arkansas, and they were on a, a river down there. And they swear they all heard this really haunting melody. There was no source that they could find. Certainly didn't make any kind of sense for them to be hearing this. And the only thing that I could relate it to was something like fairy music. If you're familiar with Irish lore around fairy music and people hearing these weird haunting melodies in out-of-the-way places and how that can sort of stick with them, it most reminded me of that. But otherwise, I mean, it was just a weird one-off sort of report that would be very, very difficult to otherwise categorize. That sounds fascinating. And I'm familiar with some of those fairy stories, but primarily I think what we hear a lot is that sort of used to lure people towards either doom or kidnapping or just bad things in general. Did she feel that that was kind of the case or like, you know how you get kind of that feeling in there? Sure. Yeah. No, um, from what she said, there was really nothing untoward about the experience. It certainly didn't culminate in, in anything like a fairy abduction or, or anything similar. Really, I think overall, sort of the effect was that it stuck with them because it was so beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. and so there, there wasn't any of those other sort of nefarious aspects that we hear about so often in fairy lore. I really like that. I mean, if you're going to have one of these kinds of experiences, yeah. that's not a bad way to go. Just hearing <laughs> really nice music. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's not, that's not the kind of bad memory to take away <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. So how often and how far do you travel for all of the stories that you gather? Well, that's a good question. I would say at least a few times a year, we yeah. find ourselves in out of the, the, the way places. Well, Sure. When, when we first started out back in 2016, we, we didn't travel that much. We didn't have the, the means to travel like we, we do now. 
And so we really covered a lot of a very local stuff. And then in 2017, all of the winged humanoid sightings started coming out of the Chicago area and we didn't live very far away. It was very easy for us to, to travel down there. But now, you know, every vacation, every conference that, that we get invited to, I mean, they all turn into us stopping by someplace yeah. that's weird as long as we're going. You know, like I mentioned earlier, we just got back from Mammoth Cave State Park which was really fun. And we both love nature and, and we would go no matter what. But of course, Mammoth Cave, that, that whole area is also reputedly home to a number of uh, cryptids. We were in uh, Louisville first, I actually. I should. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't want to steal your thunder. Like, why don't no. you? <laughs> well, we, we went to Louisville first and on the way out, we stopped to see the Pope Lick Bridge. Yes. So if, if you're not familiar with the Pope Lick Trussell Bridge, it is reputedly haunted by this goat man figure. Oh. We'll say, no, I, I've never heard any firsthand reports from an actual witness who's, who has said that they've seen this thing. The area is really most dangerous because it is an active railroad bridge. And very tragically, several people have died while up on this trussell bridge. Because the folklore is that if you're up on this bridge, you can, uh, you know, somehow summon this goat man figure to appear. But what usually happens is people just get hit by a train. And yeah. it's, it's so sad. And if, if, if you ever get a, a chance to go, there is at, at least one memorial that looks like it was made by somebody's family. So I... It's the perfect example of why people should take this stuff seriously. You know, when people talk about going out and investigating and, and getting out in the, the field and stuff like that, it's not something to be taken lightly. You know, it, it's not a trip out to the club or something. You know what I mean? Like there can be serious consequences because usually you're going someplace isolated. You're usually going at night and there's so much that can go wrong. And so, you know, I, I wanted to stop by and see it for myself. And I'm glad that we did, you know, because it's difficult to, I think, understand the, the enormity of it, first of all. I mean, it's really, really high. And there used to be these... Uh, safety platforms. And they had these safety platforms on the, the side of the trestle bridge. And that was so if you were on the bridge and there was a train coming, you could step off to the side, hopefully, if, if you had time and uh, you wouldn't get hit. But they took those off. And the reason they, yeah, they, the reason yeah. that they took them off was to discourage people from going up there. But no. really all it does is just get people killed. Be right. Yeah. You guys, come on. Honestly, I thought the same. Because was anybody actually going like, oh, can't go up there. I'm not noticing any safety little things to jump <laughs> off on. No, I would yeah. never. I would Highly underestimating the audience. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no sign or anything either like emily just yeah. just brought that up like there's nothing saying like hey warning active railroad bridge you will get hit by a train like, or put 10 of them up right right, right. Like, really? or like yes. a yeah like a sign like hey nowhere else to go if there's a train like this is it yeah like okay so is it over water or what is it over no there's just this like wooded area it's like mm -hmm. a, a low point in the the terrain and then yeah there's just woods and ground and so oh. i mean not everybody gets hit by a train sometimes people jump and get seriously injured that so way you just really uh -huh. die yeah. there's no recourse like at least a river you could have a chance yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah and <laughs> just to mention how high those things are that's like the it's height that you could bungee jump from 
And like, that would be like an activity. Like those things are so unbelievably high. And it's very deceiving too, because of like the lack of signage, it's a very like rusty, old looking bridge. So I think it fools a lot of people too. That is the issue is people assume that it's not active because yeah, it it looks old as hell and it's all, you know, it's rusty and everything, but it absolutely, I promise you is, is active. Good gracious. Yeah, I, you know, I really like that you bring up that point because these are places that are not necessarily safe. I mean, you know, if you're going out into parks, if you're going out to some of these abandoned places, it's dangerous and you should probably keep a little bit of common sense around you and take safety procedures and protocols very seriously. Yes. I think that now at night, like, no, I don't want to, somebody says, do you want to go do this thing? Like there's a haunted place somewhere in a forest. What time of day are we going? I don't know. (laughs) We don't need to get crazy here. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the ghosts you need to worry about. They're not going to hurt you. No, it's It's the people. And you're out hubris. Sure. Yeah. I'm great and nothing will happen. Um, We do Uh, have two commenters that just said, actually one of them is my husband, the bridge makes its own ghosts, but we're not there to see ghosts. We're here to see goat man. So not that. But also in Rob, he says not safe, but oh, so worth it because he does have some amazing photographs of some amazing places. And even though they're not safe, people do still take those risks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Look, it's not like I don't. I just try to uh, do it in the safest way possible. You know, I I will be the first guy to volunteer to go out into any forest at midnight if there's even a chance of seeing Bigfoot or a UFO or Mothman or whatever. You know, like that's yeah. that's fine. Sign sign me up. You know, but at, at the same time, I'm also the guy who remembered to bring a first aid kit, who uh-huh. has extra, you know, batteries for his flashlight, who has a flashlight in the first so <laughs> A portable charger for your phone. That's what you got. I, I have one, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. It's It's got a couple different methods to be charged. You can either hand crank it. It has a solar oh. panel. Or, and this is actually easily the, the best way, uh, you can like just charge it in like a wall socket. Yeah, I'm, that sounds expensive. I'm noting I'm noting things down on like gear that I would like to own at some point in time. Yeah, agreed. Like I'm I'd be the absolute first person to go do any of these things so long as I was briefed in safety beforehand and had my handy and handy like little tool set of your leather man. Out of things. My leatherman. Uh-huh. I get leatherman. It. I love a good leatherman. Like a good multi right? tool is it's the best. I cannot tell you how many times that has come in handy sitting in my car. Yes, always keep one in your car. Anyway, back to the actual paranormal (laughs) and not not safety tips area. Okay, so you have been kind of, where's the furthest you've gone to investigate a story? And what was it? Well, we were in Maine, I guess, last year. Yeah, last fall, we went to uh, Acadia National Park with my family. And, you know, of course, well, we mostly did a lot of like hiking and touristy stuff. But, you know, we looked up a few things while we were there. And the area definitely has its stories. Oh, for sure. And let's be real. Most investigations are largely hiking. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're interested in monsters and things of that nature, you're going to be doing just a lot of walking in the the woods. But uh, yeah, when we were out there, there were a few interesting places. There was one place called Witch Hole Pond. And it had, I mean, that's a really evocative name. That's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, well, you know, holy crap, Witch Hole Pond, you know, I, I have to see this. And so it's pretty easy to find. It's not even that far from the actual 
like National Park Visitor Center. And it's just like this weird little pond. There's nothing special about it. But I couldn't find anybody who knew why it was called Witch Hole Pond. Like nobody knows. It's like it's lost uh... time. You know, I was asking people in town, just like, yeah. hey, you know, like, do you live around here? Why is this called Witch Hole Pond? Well, there's a lot of like trail marker signs for sale just as like you could hang in your house and we bought the witch hole pond one so we would ask we would hope and assume that the store clerks would know but they know <laughs> it's all been locked away not for the no not for the tourists Still tourists sure. you're not the, part of the, them yet the only thing i could find was there is a a weird story associated with that area and i don't remember anybody's names but they're not important about a gentleman who was kidnapped by spirits in that area to witness this like ghost wedding. Basically. <laughs> um, right. Well, it, I thought it was really cool because it has a lot of parallels with fairy lore, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, that's the exact kind of weird thing that would happen in Scotland or Ireland five, 600 years ago. Somebody would be talking about, oh, hey, honey, sorry, I was out all night. But I got kidnapped by fairies who witnessed his wedding. You know how it goes. You can't even be mad. They made me be the efficient. I could not. You were always doing that, too. You were always getting whisked away to like mm -hmm. some big dance or some I'm party. I'm good at my where, job. Like, like oh, yeah. food was everywhere. And then they'd stumble home in the morning, like, just hanging out with the fairies. They Help throw a it. wicked party. Right? They threw whiskey all over me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it was something like that. And so I had just assumed that probably it was some iteration of an earlier story, likely, you know, from that area, but uh, still super, super interesting. There was also, we went up to Cadillac Mountain. And so Cadillac Mountain, I think is the highest elevation somewhere. Uh, east of the Rockies? East of the Rockies, I sure. So. It's definitely the highest elevation in Maine probably on the East Coast there. It had uh, an interesting multi-witness UFO sighting oh. attached to it. And so, I mean, it's, it's not spectacular other than the witnesses themselves were willing to come forward and it was covered by local news, but basically it's just a weird lights in the sky sort of thing. And so, of course, naturally, we, we went up there. There's a, a way that you can go up there and uh, and watch the sunrise, mm -hmm. which is honestly beautiful. And if you're ever in that area, oh, you should be doing it. Gotta be. Right. And so you get up there and it's completely dark. And, and I didn't see any UFOs, but I saw a really nice sunrise. And so that was, that was almost as good. <laughs> almost. Not quite. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Have you guys been out just on a personal note? Have you guys been out to like Arches National Park and dug around at all in that general area? I have when I was younger, but that was way before I was doing any of this. So no, not nine years old out there searching for yeah, <laughs> searching for a skinwalker out there. That would be I, I would like to see an art. If you guys could get on that, that would be that would be great. Okay. I'd love to see some writings on that. I mean, we do want to go out west to the southwest at some point. Oh, that would definitely. be amazing. Yeah, yeah, we would like to. Be cool. Do you guys have a favorite story that you've covered? Oh, gosh. If you think of it quicker, you go first. I, you have like several. <laughs> I know. I'm just I trying do to... all the talking. So I see I these know, opportunities just... for you to speak. And I'm like, She's I'm going through here. it. Mental I'm just trying to think of which one. Yeah, you should tell the story about your camera flash at the mountain. Yeah, then we can tell. At the mansion. And then maybe lead into the ghost. Sure. 
So we live in South Central Wisconsin and a little bit like Northwest of us by like an hour, two hours is Baraboo, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is where the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey mm-hmm. Circuit was founded. So the eldest brother had a mansion built there. I would say, was it 2016 when we first toured it? That sounds right. Yeah. So through a couple people that we knew, we went on a tour one evening and you know they're talking about like the different phenomena in each room and near the foyer in the front was Al's the eldest ringling brother Al that's his house his office was there and that was described as having some activity we had just come out of one room and we're gonna go into that room and they were just I think it was they were just talking about that But I was trying to get my, because I'm a photographer, I was trying to get my camera equipment set up for the different room. And I had to change the batteries in my flash. It's one of those flash units that attaches to the top of the camera. So I was, I took the batteries out and I had to, obviously I had it in one hand and I had to dig through my bag to try to find new batteries because I wasn't being very organized. (laughs) And all of a sudden the flash just keeps going off. And he looks at me and he's just like, what are you doing? Can you stop that? And I'm just like, like, (laughs) you know, like I, I, there was no way for that thing to fire. And it was interesting that we were about to go in that room. And it was just after he had been talking about people seeing an apparition in Elle's office. I was pretty much next to the doorway of the office. So I thought that was interesting. And he did say that, you know, they've had some weird technical light flickering things before. And that's definitely not the first time that has happened to me with equipment. Well, it's it, happened- wasn't, it wasn't the last time. It wasn't the last time, that's for sure. I'm trying to think of before that, but Anyways, so fast forward to October of 2017, and we get married there. There's a ballroom that got built off of the back of it by, I think, an Elks Club at some point in time. And so the mansion owner used to lease that out. So that's where the wedding was. One of our guests had been like taking pictures just with their iPhone. If you know what a live picture is, iPhone will record a few seconds of footage as you take a still photo. And so we had must have been just like, I don't know, hanging out near the bar, had just had our first dance or something. And she was taking pictures. Well, after the fact, our guest sent us a message and was like, hey, I don't know if you guys saw this. But so we're standing in the like more towards the left side of the photo. Then you can see our ring bearer, who is our nephew. And then all of a sudden you see a very pale, stout figure kind of walk past behind him and then just kind of go away. And it's very weird looking because like it's not a great picture because it's a very dark room. We're far away. The camera quality isn't amazing. Like, you can tell this guy or thing looks very different than we look and how our nephew looks. And one of the things I did right away was I took it into Photoshop and inverted it. So like a film negative. And with our Caucasian skin tones, it's going to the opposite side of the color wheel, right? So when it's inverted, we look very like cyan. Well, I thought this thing looks pale, but the white inverted directly to black pretty much showing no skin pigment. And we talked to the mansion owner and we said, hey, is this, you know, he wasn't any of our guests. Is this anybody that worked for you? Something like that. He's like, no. So we don't know what that thing is. I've showed it to several people over the years and 
people have said they're creeped out by it, which I think says something. I mean, obviously they might have the weird narrative coming into it, but like a lot of people when they experience these phenomena have that feeling. So I thought that was interesting too, but yeah, we, that's one of my favorite stories and probably one of my favorite locations. I mean, it's obviously part of our story, but the fact that we had gone there to just check out the site and check it out for what it was and then have that experience happen at our wedding was pretty cool. It was, yeah. I mean, that, I guess that's one of my favorites too. I mean, and you're right. It's sort of an interesting series of events that led to us investigating this haunted mansion and then eventually getting married there on Friday the, the oh, yeah, 13th. In, in October. Yeah, she didn't guys are so cool. Part. Like, of course there was a ghost. <laughs> yeah. When else would they show up? It was, like, you know, it was Friday the 13th in October. But uh, yeah, no, I think those are both great stories. What you know, a I, great treat for your guys' wedding specifically. Like, how seriously. great is that? I love like, that. Yeah, a totally harmless ghost shows up and bothers nobody. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's absolutely just, perfect. Uh, takes a photo like perfect now we all have in our group all different interests i tend to be more like the ghost person jenny's Mm. cryptids trust more the mothman etc and aliens aliens, yeah Mm -hmm. which may be saying the same thing which is an important thing to ask you guys what you think later do you guys have preferences or are you just like anything and everything you know is wonderful Oh, no, we, we, we absolutely do. Uh, Emily likes ghosts, and I like everything but ghosts. I, like, <laughs> I would say first it's ghosts just based on my experiences, but I really do like the monsters too. Honestly, though, UFOs and aliens freak me out. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Like that whole idea of being abducted and loss of control is just like a big no for me. Yeah. That's not a great yeah. part of it. <laughs> It's not it's, a good it's track a run for aliens. most of the people who experience it, too. And like, honestly. <laughs> I do not consent to being abducted. Right. Well, it wouldn't be an abduction if you did. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be a nice visit to a nice party. Right. right. Yeah. It's, say that. It, it would be more of an invitation if you were <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and nobody, nobody gets alien invited anywhere. <laughs> I will maybe uh, do. They're just not nice. talking about it. That's true. And, it's the and, and it's that are like, that. you guys, this happened, you know, come on. But the right. ones that were invited and said, yeah, let's do it. They already signed the NDA. They're not going to let us know. <laughs> as soon as I said it, too, I was like, well, except for like all of the contactees in the 50s going forward. Yeah. Who claim to have longstanding relationships. with <laughs> They're constantly getting alien invited places. So. Right. Yeah, I, why is it just the boomers like, like yeah i feel like they don't need to abduct <laughs> anyone says. there's so many people who would just gladly accept Go. that invitation yes you know and I then would maybe consent to medical experiments on my body yeah. get me out of here please yes. maybe that's it though the aliens are afraid that they'd like kind of stick around and just not leave like that <laughs> yeah. one friend that you invited to a party like 10 yeah. years ago and now every so often yeah. you have to talk to them yeah that would be like me. the aliens are yeah. oh god that's fred would not go away every time he gets on the ship just doesn't (laughs) oh not him yeah those those parties like they took me three weeks ago and i'm still on their couch (laughs) (laughs) the worst no i mean i I tell emily that all the time and she hates it because i'm like if we're out in the woods and i see a portal not even gonna say any of that i'm just jumping through it it makes me so you would climb like the stairs and go through the door if they're oh, if yeah. you just found the stairs, uh, absolutely. 
Immediately. No, no. You know, like he just leaves me here. Like you don't know what's on the other side. Yeah, it could be better than here, but what if it's not? You know where the portal is. Yeah, but no. could it be going. worse than here? Could it though? I mean, right? it's pretty bad here. You know, every story, every tale that we've ever heard about the other dimension, it's rarely better. It's yeah. rarely better. Yeah. Just look at Lovecraft. Lovecraft yep, exactly. Exact words coming out of my mouth right then. I know exactly where okay, you're at right guys, now. Okay, that was fiction. Okay, so you know what? Know. Nope. Nope. No way. I'm with yeah, Emily on this one. Well, but it's just people that came back somehow that said it's not better. How many right, the other ones died there? No, well, they're dead. No, the other ones are sleeping point. on the couch. They're still over yeah, there. I was going to say, maybe a valid point that they died. They might just be saying, nope, not leaving this. It's a fairy party. They can't. They fell into a giant maw. They're being digested someplace by many an elder god. Many weddings to officiate. So many weddings. <laughs> So out of so many So out of all of the places that you've heard about or that you've gotten reports from and you have not been, what would and I feel like each one of you might have a different answer to this, but where would be a place that would be just the sort of ultimate like apex and what would the report be? Like what would you want the most to investigate, I think? Well, I mean, the ultimate location, I sound like an elitist douche here for a second, but like, I don't really go in for like paranormal tourism or any of that stuff. Like when we were down in Louisville, there's that asylum. Waverly Hills? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody makes a big deal out of it. And I'm like, well, I mean, if it's that haunted, they've got like three or four tours a day. You know, I feel like we should have something more than dust and insect orbs and things, right? So like, I I don't go in for a a lot of that kind of stuff. The most important location for me, I guess, would be any place where something is actually happening where I could get there before it's over. So (laughs) that could be literally anywhere. The types of phenomena that I find the most interesting are, are usually the ones that are intersectional. Take shadow people. For instance, I like to use them because they're basically just a paranormal cipher, right? They mean whatever the hell you want them to mean, and everybody just overlays their own bias on top of them all the time. So if you're into ghosts and hauntings and you see a shadow person, then it was a ghost. If you're into demons, it was a demon. If you're into aliens, it was an alien. But at the end of the day, nobody knows what the hell it was. It was just this weird shadow person. And so that kind of stuff is fascinating to me because it really speaks to this sort of underlying reality that could be behind so much of the narratives that we have built surrounding paranormal phenomena. And so getting to the bottom of something like that is very interesting to me. That's something I would be all over. I think for me, just because also like the ghost interest and like, I also really enjoy history. I would like to check out some of the more classic locations in the UK, Ireland, stuff like that. Obviously being a photographer, a lot of what I talk about with the society is anomalous photographs and one of my favorites and it's one of the more famous examples the brown lady of Raynham Hall I would like to go to Raynham Hall and check out scene of the crime so to speak where that was taken and from a nerdy photographer's perspective to actually be in the staircase where they took the picture and just kind of like understand that location more because all I've done is looked at the photograph and photographs of it you know taken recently but I think being there would be another thing But obviously all of that history out in Europe would be really neat. I like that answer a lot. I have a question from the audience. Rob Johnson asks, what's your take on the Joplin spook light or the Marfa lights? Sure. Boy, you know, you get 
spook lights all over the place. You know, there's a relatively famous one, I don't know, four or five hours north of us, probably up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, it's this light that people say that they see and they claim that it'll dance around and do all this other stuff. And we went up there and we checked it out ourselves. And it's probably car headlights. And I know when you say that, then everybody who's seen it, who thinks it's something else is like, oh no, (laughs) I didn't see car headlights. Maybe those other rooms did, but definitely not. (laughs) But that's probably what explains the Paulding lights. Now, when it comes to stuff like the Marfa lights down in Texas, I don't know, you know, because those have been so much more well-known for so much longer. And I've never seen personally a conclusive debunking of that phenomenon. Certainly there are hypotheses that that exist to uh, explain it. And, And maybe it is something like some kind of meteorological phenomenon that refracts or reflects light or something that allows lights from miles and miles away to be seen, you know, in this other area. But who knows? Right now, it occupies one of my favorite positions in this field, and that is unexplained. That doesn't mean that it's aliens. doesn't mean that it's headlights reflecting off of something. It means that we just frankly don't know. And that's part of the fun, I think, you know? Absolutely. That's like my favorite part. Anyone that claims they know what anything definitively is, is lying because nobody knows. And I appreciate when people just come out and say that. Oh, sure. No, I mean, I I like to say that only con men and crazy people will say that they know the absolute truth about any of this, um, because in my experience, that's who's out there saying that. Yeah, 100%. So I got to ask you about Mothman, because from... What I've heard, you've got a book about the Lake Michigan Moth- Mothman. Do you have theories? I did write a book about that. You um, did? Oh, I thought I just made that up. Thank you for backing me up on that. Well, that's, I mean, that's all right. <laughs> People can find it if they want. It just won't show up. <laughs> that's the Mothman. I the void and grabbed it. Yeah. Where can people find it? Oh, wow. We still sell those through our website. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a favorite online book retailer like Amazon, Amazon I'm sure yep. Sure, you can pick it up there. Boy, theories, though, on those winged humanoid sightings. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I guess I could say with any certainty is that there are some people who are seeing something that they can't explain. You know, I'm usually much more comfortable saying what something isn't than saying what it is. Because if if we knew what any of this stuff was, you know, it would be, you know, taught at university and you go get a degree in it. And I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't be necessary, right? I fully, I fully understand the irony of me asking you this question after saying, I appreciate nothing is definitive because we don't know. (laughs) I get the irony. I'm still curious. Oh, sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know there are some me. things that, that we have discovered as a result of this investigation, you know? So I've, I've come up with a couple different profiles for these sightings. The first profile is almost certainly misidentified large birds. And that came about from a sighting in May of 2018. There was a guy who was bicycling to work down in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. And, you know, it was in the afternoon and, you know, it was a bright, sunny day. And he's just bicycling to work and he sees this man and woman on the uh, street corner and they're pointing at something in the sky. So he looks up and he sees what he would later describe to me as either a giant bat or a person in a wingsuit. 
And so he dutifully follows this thing around because he's got a GoPro camera on his bicycle helmet. And nice. he's determined, right? And he's yeah. determined to get as much good footage of this thing as possible. He was very forthcoming with that footage. He even went so far as to send us the original SD card, which was very wow. helpful. And with wow. his help, we were able to identify the object he had seen and you know, blow it up in Photoshop so we could get a look at it. And it was a bird. I mean, it was, it was 100% word. I mean, by its profile, I would guess something like a great blue heron because mm -hmm. they are they're huge birds, first of all, and they've got these long legs that are out behind them while they're flying. But more than that, unlike, say, uh, other types of large migratory birds like that, like cranes, when these herons fly, they tuck their head back. So they have these long necks, but you can't see it while they're flying because their head is tucked back. And so it gives them this weird profile that easily could be misinterpreted as either a giant bat or some kind of humanoid figure. And so up until that time, I had been seeing all of these reports that didn't quite fit because they were daytime sightings. They didn't have any of the other paranormal aspects of, of any of these other sightings. And they really were just people seeing things flying that they couldn't identify during the day. And so this sighting was fantastic because it closed so many of these cases for me because now I could say, okay, well, I had suspected it, but now I have really good evidence that what this profile of sighting represents is misidentified birds. And that allowed me to concentrate on the other profile of sightings, which almost certainly aren't. And those are the sightings that generally take place at night. The witness sees the thing relatively close. Often they will see it on the ground first, and then it'll take off. They describe various paranormal aspects, such as glowing red eyes or a feeling of almost supernatural fear. They will describe feeling as though they are hypnotized or the thing is looking into their soul. They might have other paranormal phenomena that happens either concurrently or around the same time as this sighting. And those are really, really weird. And those are the ones that keep me interested, frankly, because those are almost certainly not misidentified large birds. If you believe the witness testimony, and I have literally no reason to, you know, insofar as I treat all witness testimony as though what the person is relating to me is their authentic experience, unless I have direct evidence to the, the contrary. So I guess believe isn't really the right word. I don't generally believe in, in anything. I think that we know things or we don't know things, and it's okay to not know things as long as we're honest about it, right? And so with those really weird sightings, the, the ones that, that I can't explain, really the best I can do is I don't know what it necessarily represents, but I know what it doesn't represent, and that is misidentified large birds. <laughs> So I have a question. What was the very first, and I mean, we have a couple different Mothmans when we say the Mothman, but say for the O'Hare or Chicago Mothman, when did people first start reporting that? Sure. I think the earliest reports were from something like 2011, but it, nothing really kicked off until spring of 2017. And since then, the oldest report that I've received was from an experience that a gentleman said he had in 1957. Oh, that's even before. That would have been before Point Pleasant, right? Oh, right. Oh. Oh. I'm so, unaware of that one. What's that one all about? Sure. So there was this guy named Gerald, and he's he's an elderly man now. And he reached out to me a few years ago. I, I want to say it was in 2020, literally because he was old. And he was like, hey, yeah, I don't know how much time I have left, but 
you know, I became aware of similar sightings to something that happened to me back in 1957. And so I, I want to get it off my chest. And he told me about how back then down in Braidwood, Illinois, which is several dozen miles south of Chicago, he was out hunting with his brother and his brother's brother-in-law. And they saw this huge winged humanoid just fly overhead. They're in this field, you know, they're walking across this field. There's one tree and they see this thing fly over him. And he said he got a, a pretty decent look at it and uh, that it was roughly humanoid in shape, that it was dark colored, you know, maybe brown-ish. And that was it. Like, that's basically his experience. And it was interesting to hear that, obviously, because of, of how old it was. And then he had another experience, not with any kind of winged humanoid, but that was also interesting several years later. Now, Gerald served in the Army, and as part of his duty while serving was he was stationed at this Nike Hercules missile base in Chicago. And it's since been decommissioned, but it was definitely a thing at one time. And so he was on guard duty at the, the radar station there one night, and he saw this UFO. He described it to me as basically saucer-like with many different lights and described how it performed in ways that he didn't think that any aircraft should be able to, which I'm willing to definitely take his word for, especially considering his training and, and what he was doing at the time of his sighting. And so he goes on to report this to the, the duty commander, which is what he's supposed to do. And he thinks that's it, right? Like, that's going to be the end of this. I saw this weird thing. Who knows what it was, whatever. But he gets this call several days later by somebody claiming to be J. Allen Hynek. And this person tells him that they have investigated his sighting and that they were told to tell him that what he saw was in uh, advertising plane. Now, Gerald's sighting was at midnight or so, like it was the middle of the damn night, right? And so... Best time to advertise. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> I get, Yeah, for all the people like out at the bar, I guess, who happened to be on the cup, sure. Yeah. And, and so he, he, he didn't buy that, frankly. You know, he, it, it didn't make sense. Like even if it wasn't an advertising plane flying in the middle of the night, the way that it performed, like the way that it was able to just shoot off and disappear didn't make sense to him. And there was something about that, that that really stuck with me. You know, I was able to verify, of course, that Project Blue Book did actually investigate Gerald's sighting. And that is recorded info that anybody can get through FOIA. And it was some of that testimony, though, where he talks about how this person called claiming to be J. Allen Hynek. And, and maybe it was. I have no way of knowing, frankly. Nobody is alive to really testify to that at this point. But this person calls claiming to be J. Allen Hynek and says that he was told to tell Gerald that what he saw was this advertising plane. Not that what he saw was this right. advertising plane, right? Yeah. And so like that part really stuck with me. And what's really interesting about that to me is that, you know, for anybody who, who doesn't know, Project Blue Book was this project by the U.S. Air Force to investigate UFO sightings. And J. Allen Hynek was their chief scientific advisor. And he started out really, really skeptical about this phenomenon, right? But by the end of this project, he was convinced that people were seeing something legitimate that they couldn't explain. And frankly, he was disgusted 
at the dismissive attitude of the Air Force about these people's sightings. And he went on to investigate UFOs after this for some time. But he was a legitimate scientist. He really, really was. He was very well respected in his field. And so for somebody like that to take a legitimate interest in the UFO phenomenon, I, I think is fascinating in and of itself. But then if it's also true that he called Gerald and was essentially forced to tell him this BS story and admitted to doing so, like that, that is very interesting to me. That confirms, I think, a lot of the suspicions that people have had about the government's interest and treatment of UFOs, you know, over the past 80 years. And yeah, I think that's, it's valuable. It was interesting yeah. to me to be able to take something like that and sort of add it to the UFO canon, right? You know, and just, mm -hmm. just put it out there and be like, hey, I don't know if this means anything to you guys, but I think this is interesting. Check it out. How great is it that he was like, so what? I got to tell you, you saw an advertising plane. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was an advertising. If anybody asks, advertising right. plane. Advertising. I love that. Mm -hmm. Wink. You guys, it's time for us to close up, but I want to thank you so much for joining us. I know this has been a really great and interesting to me conversation. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you covered you so all of our individual interests and yeah. then some. That's yeah. quite a feat. <laughs> yeah. That's well, hard to do. Job right then. We aim to. <laughs> so I guess until next week, everybody, we'll see you then. Bye. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.